the idea was to create the most high stakes uh, volleyball game on planet Earth, where we basically uh, jump the Trump wall and use it as a volleyball net. Uh, so we got tracked down by a uh, Border Patrol helicopter and told to leave the premises. So uh, we tried, we failed, and we'll try again tomorrow, you know? All right, what's up, guys? This is Creator Economics, episode eight. And today we have one of the most ambitious creators on YouTube right now. I, I can't even begin to explain the amount of crazy things that I've seen on his channel from breaking into Logan Paul's fight to trying to, I won't even say, ruin Justin Bieber's wedding, but I know you tried to break into Justin Bieber's wedding and then all kinds of things. And you actually, you ended up going to Jimmy's Island and you texted yeah. me and you said you were going to Jimmy's Island. You're like, make sure he sees this video. I got a challenge. So we have Eric here, Eric Decker. Thanks for being on the podcast with Blake and myself. What a pleasure. Pleasure to be on here with you boys. Legends in the space. Excited to be talking to you. And I want to start with this DM that you sent me a month ago and you said, hey, man, I went out to Jimmy's Island. I, <laughs> I, I double taked it because I was like, oh, did I give him the coordinates? Did I, how did he get out to Jimmy's Island? Yeah. Uh, so talk us a little bit through your decision of actually going to Jimmy's Island, because I know from firsthand experience, it's not easy to get there. So what what possessed you to actually like go out to that island in the middle? I'm not going to tell people where it's at in the middle yeah. of nowhere uh, yeah. to challenge Jimmy to the to I think I can't even remember something for the island. I can't remember what the challenge. My was. yacht, my super yeah. cool pink yacht, by the way. Yeah, uh, basically uh, when we we were in the middle of a series that we called the yacht series, where I had this boat and uh, we were taking top comments, and when we posted the video, the number one comment a thousand times over was to go check out uh be silent uh so we have a rule in the channel which is that we have to do whatever the top comment is and that was the top comment so i had to figure out a way uh yeah dude i didn't want to i didn't want to give you a heads up that we were doing anything so we went out there filmed the entire video edited the entire video uploaded it to youtube before <laughs> i told you anything about what we were doing <laughs> oh man uh, and then you sent me that text and i sent it to jimmy and he's like wait how did he know like where where the island was or jeff how did he know dude. where jeff was so dude congrats on that video it was such a banger too such it a was a manhunt it was a manhunt but uh definitely worth it how how would you describe your channel to a person who hadn't seen your content like what what type of content do you create yeah that's a good question and i feel like i'm still trying to answer that question really well but i would say uh it's we, we say on the we call it premium content every single week <laughs> so uh <it's> premium <laughs> content for sure we basically do high effort high stakes videos every week a lot of times the topics are user generated so we'll bring uh something sort of into these episodes and then let the audience decide what we do with that thing uh and whatever the top comment is we normally do that um but yeah usually viral style videos uh doing absolutely ridiculous things that probably shouldn't be done nor shouldn't be possible yeah it feels like i don't know it's definitely current events type and then it's also i was talking to read about this it's like almost anti-clickbait in the same way like mr beast <laughs> videos are like uh they feel clickbait just by the title but then like when you actually watch it you're like oh my gosh you like actually did it like you saying you snuck into someone's house or something like that it's like no way he actually does it and then like you like watch the video and it's like holy crap like i can't believe someone actually did that so that's how i think about it at least but yeah, that's I interesting <laughs> yeah um, maybe you guys can help me decide on what we call it but that sounds about right yeah yeah I, I think it's hard to categorize a lot of youtube channels now because i think 
most of them are a mixture of like shock and awe mixed with um like what's popular like current events or like uh what what's it called like dream dream calls his videos um like trend jacking right mm. so it's almost like a mixture of like shock and awe with trend jacking because you're taking a popular creator like logan paul you're buying his sofa and then you're just like taking it down this rabbit hole of adventures and people are kind of following it along so you know for you is this always something that you aspired to be did you always want to be a youtube creator yeah i mean i think i've talked to blake about this before but definitely have been a long time consumer of youtube i mean i've been literally grown up on the site i remember when it opened uh and like i was like in fifth grade and i thought it was the coolest thing i had ever thought of in my entire life i remember like recording this little video on my camcorder and then putting it through seven different dongles to get it onto the computer and then somehow it ended up on the website and i thought that process was like the most ridiculous like fascinating idea that you could record it on your camcorder and then the world could see it ever since then uh grew up on youtube literally you could ask me any question about mainstream tv or movies wouldn't be able to answer it for you uh, but if you ask a question about YouTube, I could probably direct you in the right direction. So yeah, like YouTube is what I grew up on, uh, and always did video in some form or fashion. And then 2020 was kind of the year that I was like, all right, we can't keep talking about doing YouTube. We should do YouTube. So here we are. It's kind of how it works. I, when I was, uh, when I was researching for this, I, I, I stumbled upon some of your early, early channels, like, uh, fresh flipping. No and then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, 33, Eric, uh, whatever, Holy 33, whatever it was. How did you and find that channel, dude? How did you I, find was, that channel? I, I don't know, but it, it was incredible. I uh, it, it was it was awesome to like see you creating content even back then. You know, it felt like you were you were like had the early starts of, of wanting to be a YouTuber. It feels like you're sort of this first wave of like, obviously, right now, the whole thing of people saying, kids want to be YouTubers and, and they're watching YouTubers now and they're like, okay, I want to do this. feels like you are sort of a part of that first wave where you might've grew up watching a ton of YouTube and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And you were doing these like fun, I don't know, like fresh flipping is like almost like dude perfect style or something like that, where you're like, let's just do Bro. a bunch of flips and stuff. But um, how do you like, I, I guess for you, were there any major inspirations or like who were like the main creators that you watch uh, today or like when you were growing up? uh that's honestly you have me speechless with how uh, you're the first person who's ever found this channel so that's really crazy uh we'll we'll, we'll link them down below for everyone no do not, do, do not do that you're gonna try uh, and like log in and, and delete those those videos and like you're not oh, gonna know your password yeah, to, to get into this <laughs> he's gonna so, he's gonna private them all tonight we're like yeah. where do those channels go i'm gonna have to do something dude uh the question the question was uh just like who who are the main people that you were watching growing up on YouTube, and then like who are just your major in, inspirations today on YouTube? For sure, for sure. Uh, I feel like I uh, I remember I remember the day that Casey Neistat started vlogging. I feel like that's such a cliche answer, but he is a god at vlogging. I mean, he's he's like a he's like a literal god of YouTube. Uh, yeah, the guy takes the mundane and makes it into something like wildly interesting that millions of people tune into. And you just don't know how he does it. Uh, he like from an early time watched him. Uh, I mean, there were so many like early creators that people now probably wouldn't be super familiar with. But I feel like YouTube goes through these like stages of like top 10 creators. Um, yeah. And like maybe now people that I'm watching regularly. I'm a big fan of Michael Reeves. You guys know who Michael Reeves is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I All know. right. Oh, Blake. <laughs> he's in he's in offline TV, too. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know, I know him. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal storyteller, not afraid to invest in his videos. 
funny guy uh huge fan of what he does i like i love like that building niche of like youtube there's like this world where people like just build pointless things uh and it's 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 a pretty interesting little world that i follow uh obviously like beast and then there's a lot of channels i sort of watch just to stay up on current events because that is sort of the style of video but um yeah those are a few people that sort of have inspired the channel and everything so one one thing that i've found interesting that i've heard you say multiple times is that and this is something that i continue to say too but a lot of people think that youtube is too oversaturated to grow they're like mm. it's 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 really hard for a new creator to come onto the platform and to to grow and to actually be seen Right. And I think yeah. that's it's such a terrible mindset for young kids to have now to think it's impossible for them to come onto YouTube and be successful. Like what what's the reason that you can kind of contribute your success to? But because you were somewhat of an, an unknown creator coming into this ecosystem that most people say is oversaturated. What's the thing that you think stood out that people have just gravitated to you for, towards? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I hate that. And I hate that when people say that, I think it's just so untrue. I think it's such an underdeveloped market still to this day. Um, and I would love to get like your opinion on you, both of you guys and your thoughts on that. But, um, I don't know. I think the idea, if you're going to start YouTube, you definitely have to do it different. Um, uh, but you have to start somewhere. And for a year leading up to like where I really started going hard in 2020, I was making all kinds of different videos and sort of trying this and trying that and trying this and trying it. But, uh, at the end of the day, I wanted to well, I wanted to do YouTube, so I was trying a million different things until something worked, and then when something worked, I'll try two of those, and whichever of those two worked, we make two more of those, and you just kind of slowly but surely, I call it like the upside down uh, funnel, and you sort of bounce off these walls until eventually you end up like at point B, but it's not this like straight and narrow path. You just like through trial and error end up figuring out sort of like a niche, um, yeah, and then and then you can develop from there. But basically, it's just in my mind, it was a game of just uh, not quitting. Like the first person to quit loses. So if I just keep making videos and trying things, then I don't think that I can really lose, you know? Mm -hmm. what, do, what do you guys think about that though? Like, like I think that this space, like YouTube is so <clears throat> underdeveloped. I'll let Reed go first. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually had an interview today about this specific subject, so I'm glad we're talking about it. But I think I'm agree, I agree with you. YouTube is in cycles, and right now, like Jimmy's obviously dominating, and I don't know if yeah. the creator can catch up to him in terms of spending and ideas, and like he has a 50 plus person team, and he's doing incredible. But there is little uh, niches of content that pop up every single year, and right now, the things that I've been seeing are home renovation is something that wasn't popular three years ago. And there's channels that are blowing up on home renovation. ZHC is a good example of like mm -hmm. an arts and crafts creativity genre that wasn't a thing or wasn't popular three years ago that is now like on trending every time he uploads. Um, ASMR wasn't popular three to four years ago and is now something where I continuously see creators coming up. And so I think, you know, as, as kids like yourself who were watching YouTube growing up, they're going to have their own ideas of the type of content they're going to be creating. And it's not going to be what Mr. Beast did. It's not going to be what PewDiePie did. It's going to be like their version of YouTube. And so mm -hmm. I think the platform will continue to evolve. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would have never seen this home renovation, living in your van, videos, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. getting millions of views on trending. I would have never seen those types of content genres pop up in my head. Um, but everyone thinks differently. Everyone has their individual creativity. And so I think the platform is ever evolving. And even your style of content, which, like I said earlier, is kind of like a mixture of trend jacking, some vlogging, some shock and awe. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think like just 
if you're a young creator out there, you just need to be yourself. You need to figure out what makes you happy. Don't chase the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to be, you're not going to do YouTube to get rich. If you start yeah. doing YouTube, you do it cause you love making videos. And that's one thing that's consistent with all the guys that I work with is like the love of video making, not, mm-hmm. not the, I'm doing this for money. So I know it's like a long answer of my thoughts on it, but yeah, I, I've thought about that multiple times. I, totally. I, I think that's right. I, I think it's, being original and like having been just very original content and and not trying like even even leon hart who we had on the podcast before like he was sticking to something that was super you know i don't know maybe niche five years ago when he was opening pokemon cards and then it's like eventually it just became mainstream and like now his channel is having a real moment and i think uh it's finding what you actually love to create content around and like you're not gonna get burnt out on and like eventually people will notice i think that's what i i view it as i think for you it's really interesting because you are i don't know like the main like a mainstream type of creator like i think there's different types of creators and i think something that you've done really well and i'd love to get your thoughts on is just like uh you've done an incredible job of doing collaborations and like getting even people who i don't know like you're getting cosigns from logan paul and these people who honestly I had no right to even co-sign you when you were first starting out because he was like the random person who's like jumping into their videos but like yeah. how do you think about collaborations because I've, I've i've heard your thoughts on this before and um like how do you even think about getting logan paul to co-sign you or these these bigger creators to to work with you yeah for sure uh well it's i, I will say that like coming to the end of the year i'm definitely like shocked at how many creator like bigger creators that i'm connected to uh and it's all been sort of part of this formula that i just have in my mind i guess of which i come from more of like a business background and then stepped into creator so it is like a more of a business mindset of like if we're going to do a deal where i come in with less leverage than you you have to like win in a way that's like way outweighs me right um so that's sort of like how i think about the creator and the video thing i think by nature is like for example with logan um creating a situation where he has this problem of these couches that he hates, that he wants to sell as soon as possible for as much money as possible. I come in, give him the money that he wanted, along with making this whole scene of me buying the couches, which is great content for his video that he never had to even leave his house for. Uh, and then I'm left with the burden of the couches and what to do with them. Um, yeah, so I've solved like all these problems for him in a matter of like two hours, uh, got to be in his video, which worked out phenomenally for me. Uh, and they made an entire series out of it, which worked out great too. Um, but yeah, I think every time we do the collaboration um, thing in the videos, whether you see it in the video or it's a behind the scenes sort of thing, we're always creating a situation where the collaborator is winning just as much, if not more than we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're provi- providing more value for the creator that you're collabing with. Right, which I hate like even saying that because it feels like a like a straight out of Gary Vee's mouth or something. But uh, <laughs> it's definitely like that situation of like, how can I help this person more than they're helping me? Yeah, yeah. But I, that's I, I, that's yeah. how most small creators should think about that. To be honest, I, I hope that's how they're thinking about that. Yeah, absolutely. Even for even for the audience, right? Like, what can you like? What can you use as your title and thumbnail? And then when they get into the video, over deliver on what that video is. Like, if you want to grow as a creator you can't make a mediocre video and meet like the minimum line. Like, can you bring a, like a viewer into a video and then set the expectation and then just destroy that expectation, right? Like, I think that's how you create growth in like any situation is by going above, above and beyond, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you have to imagine there's people that are messaging Logan every day asking to collaborate. And I think, 
you're doing something that like, again, probably is more of a business mindset and your experience in business helps there, but it's like, you're just basically presenting, Hey, there's a really cool idea. I'm going to do all the work. Like, do you want to basically just show up and, and do it? And like, that's a way easier value prop. And it, it's always like, I, I get messages every day of like people asking me if they can ask a question, you know, it's like, why, why are you like sending me a message to ask me if you can ask a question? Just ask it, you know, type of thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and like, you're doing like, you're basically like presenting, Hey, I'm going to give you an amazing situation to, to film a video. And like, you can, hopefully get a lot of value out of this too. That's a thousand times more compelling to that person than just being like, Hey, you want to collaborate on something. So I think that's awesome that, that you do that. A hundred percent. I like, I would be interested to see either of you guys try to do the creator thing because I'm sure that you have like the business principles that would like transfer over to creatorship that would lead to success. You know what I mean? Like it's it, at the end of the day, it's, it is like a game of like business, you know? Yeah, it's such a grind though. Like I, I watch oh, yeah. Preston and Jimmy and all these guys and, and, I, and I love the grind. I just don't have that deep, like profound love for video making that yeah. they do. You have um, to love I, video making. I love like the business side of it. Uh, I, I don't love the in front of the camera, like doing a vlog, spending 24 hours in a shark tank. Uh, that's yeah. stuff I'm completely <laughs> out on. Trust me, yeah. Jimmy's tried to get me in like challenges. Uh, I'm sure he'll eventually coax me into it, but uh, I don't know. Spending 24 hours in a place is not so fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Maybe that's a good point. Like we're talking about you, you have business experience, obviously, but like, what does that business experience actually look like? I, it, when we were researching this, we stumbled upon that, like you actually have a production company or something on the side too. Is that, is that real? Like what, what were you doing before YouTube? Like what, what is, what is like, uh, what's your story there? And like, what did you do on the business side before all this? Yeah. Uh, really quick, basically like, so you saw fresh flipping, which was yes. a channel where we made videos and stuff. Uh, making those videos made me realize I like really enjoyed making videos uh, at like a high production and everything like that. And then going into college, I didn't have a job, didn't want to get one. Um, so my friend and I started a little production company where we would just make these little commercials and stuff and wedding videos and basically whatever anybody would pay us money to make. Uh, and then the goal was like, hey, let's get this to like six figures so that we can drop out of college because we like really hate it. Uh, so then, yeah, we just grinded. Uh, figured out basically how to turn that production company into a system and process that creates wedding videos at a scalable model. Um, turned it into that and have been running that for like the last few years and finally got that to a point where, yeah, we dropped out of college way back. And then, um, yeah, that kind of runs passively in the background. And once I sort of felt comfortable with that was the opportunity where I was able to sort of jump ship into being a creator. So what, what is the current team? What, like your YouTube uh, company, not the production company. What does your current YouTube team look like? Do you have an editor? Are you editing your own videos? Are you making your own thumbnails? Yeah. Uh, so I heard you say this, read it somewhere that it's maybe on this podcast, uh, something about how it's really difficult to find people who are really good at making thumbnails. Like thumbnail, yeah. like artists are like the highest demand, lowest staff position on planet earth, maybe at least in like the YouTube scene. So I still make all the thumbnails. Uh, Mac, who's a character in the videos, uh, films and edits the videos as well. He is a monster uh, with editing. And then uh, we have Zach and the team at One Day Entertainment who are taking care of all management yep. deals, merch, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it started at the beginning of the year with me in a really shitty MacBook, uh, editing and exporting these videos. Um, yeah, and it's 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 grown more than I would have expected to over the last year into um, couple of different groups of people. So it's super exciting. 
If I was uh, if I was a fourteen year old, I would be killing it in the thumbnail game right now for you. Is that right? Players. I I would I would be grinding thumbnails. I know I know so many like sixteen year old kids that make. Oh, Minecraft you would be the thumbnails. guy making the. Thumbnails. I would be the guy grinding the thumbnails <laughs> for like thirty seven creators right now, and I know yeah. a few of them that do this where they they're like the best in the game, and all these gaming creators on YouTube go to like three guys, and these guys are killing it. But there's no like there's nobody else out there that can make thumbnails at that level. And when you talk about a gaming thumbnail, like you have to like go into Fortnite and into Minecraft and into Roblox and take like an in-game picture most of the time and yeah. then edit the thumbnail. So there is a little bit of like a, a craft to like how you how you take those. Uh, and there's no so if you're a kid listening, learn how to make thumbnails, man. Like Dude, it's a massive I would opportunity. Pay so much money. Here's what I will say. Anytime I have been quoted by even like good thumbnail artists it's like somewhere between like 20 and 50 dollars you don't understand how much money we the creators are making off of those videos and you are underpricing yourself severely i probably shouldn't say that because uh, so many like, youtubers are going to be so mad you said i know that. i'm sorry guys. i'm sorry that we're like lifting the sheet off this whole thing we're like severely underpricing so like if you're like 14 to whatever age out there and you feel like you could make some really compelling thumbnails you have a, a great opportunity couldn't agree more you could also take the the Arax style, you know, and, and start sending sending them actual thumbnails, like as like, oh, here's what I would have done for these other videos, and that's how you can get to job to work with them as well. So <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. Is there is there a creator you haven't worked with yet that you are looking to collaborate with, or that is oh, like, dude. and and I know you've already worked with so many large creators, Logan Paul and and some of those guys, but is there one that stands out to you? Uh. Maybe Jojo Siwa. No, I'm just kidding. That'd be crazy though. <laughs> oh, I was gonna what say, okay, that'd be wild. <laughs> I, I can help with that. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I would say, dude, I, I feel like the more I say this, the more I'm putting myself in a hole. But I'm a again huge fan of Casey Neistat. Uh, I don't think I should probably ever meet him in person because I think that would be like the one like internet celebrity that I wouldn't be able to kind of have an attitude with and do this whole bit in person. I would just like shrink up into like. I don't know. I'd be I'd be super nervous and clam up. He's like he has like directed my thought process in life to such a degree, which I think he like probably hates to hear. But uh, yeah, super inspiring guy. Uh, one day, one day we'll collab and do something together. Yeah, he. Uh, so I met Casey two and a half, two years ago. We were doing yeah. a gaming. We were doing a like a gaming event in New York at three six eight, and I grew up a Casey Neistat fan. And it was just like typical gamer myself, Preston, and I think there's a few other people there with Casey playing like Call of Duty. And he stopped playing. He's like, I'm done with playing video games. Like, I want to film my vlog. And he was like getting B-roll. And I was just like taking it all in. And he sat down next to me. And we had like an hour and a half conversation, not about YouTube, not about business, just about like life and yeah. like fulfillment and like family and core values. Yeah. And I was just like the one of the most genuine people I've ever met. And so every time I so get to cool. see Casey, he's like, when you finally meet him, like he's such a good dude. That's awesome, man. It's probably cool. I mean, I'm sure he's around guys like me who are like too young to have the whole like family thing going yet. So you have this like conversational advantage to me of like you have all these things that he cares about to talk about, which is cool. And I'm jealous of that. Yeah. Well, I no family. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> no, I, single man over here. So I, 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 don't, I don't have a ton when of you it. Said but family, I, I thought we were implying, you know. But, no, it was you know. like, like why, why we were talking about like why family is important. And I, yeah. I was talking about like the grind and like how I'm single and all that. And he was just kind of like giving me wisdom on life. Right. And talking about, you know, yes, like money and, and success is great. But like at the end of the day, like you need to have personal fulfillment. 
Um, yeah. Just, just a, it was an amazing conversation. While all these other guys were playing Call of Duty, I was like, I'd much rather be sitting here talking to Casey. That's so awesome. That's so sick. We've got to make that collab happen for you. Yeah, we got to make it happen. <laughs> I, I think for you, it's interesting just because we've talked about your style of, of videos and how a lot of it is off current events and things like that. Like, how do you actually even come up with ideas? Are you, are you thinking of like the thumbnail and titles first or like, how are you even thinking about just coming up with video ideas and uh, what goes into that process? Yeah, uh, I've kind of had this ritual since I started earlier this year where I go on to like all the main like entertainment and like pop culture, basically tabloid sort of sites like Huffington Post, uh, Mashable, like all those sort of sites and stuff. And I just like take notes and I'll make like five video ideas out of whatever I see for 30 minutes every single morning. Um, yeah, and I'll just like consume what's hot on the internet right now. Uh, most of those videos are absolute hot garbage. Uh, but like one out of every like 20 to 30 ideas is like half decent. And then we add those to a video idea list where it's just this super long list of ideas all in title thumbnail format. So yeah, every, every video idea is always title thumbnail first. Um, I definitely believe that's arguably more important than the video itself. Um, yeah, that's, it's, it's all about how do you package the video in my mind. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how it starts. And then the videos just get out of hand sort of from there. I would assume it's probably a similar process for like someone like Mr. Beast. Yeah. Have you, have you, you talked to Jimmy, right? Like I know you guys had a phone call. Did you ask him Mm -hmm. like what his process is like for creating a video? A little bit, a little bit. We talked for like 40 minutes. I don't know if we got super deep into that specific. I was, I honestly talked to him more about like life and management of like stress and time, because I assume that we're probably on a pretty same, similar like stress level, maybe him to a higher degree, but yeah. How, I mean, that's a, that's a good like segue that I wanted to talk about is like creator burnout. Like how, how do you, how do you deal now with all the stress? And I'm sure like people need to understand the more subscribers, the more views, like the more pressure to perform on the next video and the next video. And so how have you dealt with that? For sure. I mean, like I feel almost underqualified to answer that question because yeah, we get views and it's great, but there are people doing it enormous on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, it's definitely scarier to post videos on a YouTube channel when you go from having a hundred people watching and subscribed to 300,000 people watching and subscribed. Uh, you get a little bit more scared to hit the upload button for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, things get significantly more stressful. I think probably you guys would agree with this is the team around you decides whether decides your success. Uh, you as a human being are not capable or especially with like big ideas, maybe like a gamer or somebody who has a lot more like less, uh, what would you call that? Like, IRL commitment, like I have to go out and shoot this entire video and then come back and it's all this travel involved. Um, But if you're out there doing all this kind of stuff, you have to have people behind the scenes who are taking care of all the other important things to make sure you're uh, monetizing this opportunity to the highest possible degree. So um, the best thing for me to avoid burnout has been delegating tasks uh, that I believe somebody else could do a better job at than me. So like editing was the first thing to come off. Uh, Brand deals and stuff like that were the second thing to come off. Uh, yeah. And I think we'll just slowly, we're doing TikTok editing and stuff from somebody else now, but I think offloading anything that is not the one thing that I'm best at in life, which is creating online video content, anything that distracts me from that. I just want <laughs> like as fast as possible. My desire is just to push that off my plate to somebody else who does it better than me. Um, that's kind of my thought process. 
Smart. I, I think what's interesting is your videos have like such a high chance of failure. You know, like because you are oh, approaching yeah. it from like this title to like and and thumbnail uh, perspective, you're you're going off of like, hey, I'm gonna go sneak into uh, so and so's place or I don't know whatever the crazy video idea you have. Like, are there any or how many videos have you scrapped? Because I have to imagine there, there's ideas that you've scrapped. Like, are there any that you can share where like you've gotten far into it and you're like, oh no, we can't actually like do this anymore? Um, has that <laughs> uh, happened yet? Tons all the time. Yeah, it happens constantly. It's always a Hail Mary. Like every video is a Hail Mary. Uh, every video should not be possible. We waste 50 to 75% of our effort on videos that never come to fruition and 25 to 50%, 25 to 30% actually come true because they shouldn't be able to. But if you just keep shooting, eventually you make it. Uh, I'll give you a great example. The reason I'm here right now is because I was in Tijuana, Mexico a few hours ago. Uh, where we, the, the idea was to create the most high stakes uh, volleyball game on planet Earth, where we basically uh, jump the Trump wall and use it as a volleyball net. Uh, so we got tracked down by a, a Border Patrol helicopter and told to leave the premises. So uh, we tried, we failed, and we'll try again tomorrow, you know? Is that video going to go up? The current, that, no, like that video will not, it will never see the light of day. Do you, do you think there's a world where you'd ever put that type of content behind a paywall? Oh, that's hard to say. I don't think that specific kind of content, we've, I've, I've thought about that kind of stuff in the past. I think if I was going to put something behind a paywall, do you, you guys know Colin and Samir, yeah? yeah? Yeah, yeah. Super, super smart guys. And they put out a video recently that I super agree with, which is the idea that, especially because of COVID and everything going on, uh, going to traditional school is not a thing. So like I see an enormous opportunity for a creator like me or for a creator like literally what you say, Alex Warren for vlogging or Beast for high stakes videos to create these courses on, okay, you have zero subscribers and you wanna be a YouTuber, here's how to do it. Like that feels like something that I would feel confident in promoting, selling and putting behind a paywall. I don't know if I like feel comfortable just putting more of me behind a paywall. Does that make sense? Like yeah. if, if there's something with inherent value behind a paywall, I'm all for it. Uh, but I don't know if I would feel comfortable putting more just lifestyle stuff behind a paywall. How do you guys think about paywall stuff? Go ahead, Blake. Uh, uh, we had, this was like our second podcast episode was all about like paid, yeah. paid content. I, I personally, I, I'm okay with it. I think it's, it's, there's a, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. Cause I mean, obviously for you, you're in like hyper growth mode and thinking about growth over everything. And so like any video that you're creating or any content that you're creating should just in theory, go on your main channel or something like that, because that's going to contribute to your growth. And yeah. like, there's a case to be made that when you're putting things behind a paywall, you're like limiting the amount of people that can see your audience or like mm -hmm. see your videos. And so, uh, I think it works better when you're at like a 10 or 20 million subscriber level. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think there's still like, I think there's people that still want to see those videos. And, and so like, I think there has to be a, a happy medium. Like if it's not going to go behind a, a paywall, like I think there should be like a second channel where it's like, Hey, here's all my outtakes, like the failed videos. Cause I think people still want to see that. Like, uh, you, this is, I, I think from my perspective, every time I talk to creators, they're like, ah, like no one wants to see that it's lower quality, whatever. And I think the reality is people just always want to watch more content from their favorite creators. And I, I'm curious to get Reed's thoughts on that. Well, yeah, I, I, I am actually not on the same side of the fence as Blake with this in most cases, but I do think there's, there's a world where a creator who is in a place where they're not getting their videos monetized, uh, that they could then use a paywall, like a Nelk, uh, sure. like a David Dobrik, even Alex Warren, 
Um, I think there's a world where Alex Warren eventually probably gets demonetized with some of the stuff he does on his videos. Thus, like a paywall would probably make more sense for that creator. I, I don't know. This is a conversation we've had with a lot of our creators. I don't know if there's a world where they just put other content that never got posted behind a paywall. I think if you're going to make people pay five, ten dollars a month for something, you have to pro pro like provide an exponentially higher quality or higher value to that person. Mm -hmm. And so I think one example that we called out that does it really well is Logan. Uh, and Logan has the Maverick Club. I believe that's what it's called. But it's solely based around his merchandise. And he's like giving people $10,000 and doing FaceTimes with them. He's providing a lot of value, at least from my mm -hmm. standpoint of, of me seeing it. I feel like there's a lot of value there. Um, but I, the, you're like other content. I don't know. Um, it, at least not until it's widely accepted for creators to have a five ninety nine paywall with just bonus footage. I just don't think it's accepted yet. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree. It's, it is interesting, Blake. I think it's interesting to think about the other, like, you know, a, a video that gets uploaded to YouTube is five gigs or less. And then there's another, you know, 40 terabytes sitting on a hard drive somewhere. Like, what could that footage be used for or turned into for a profit? I That is very interesting. But I probably naturally side more with Reed on the side of like, yeah, so uploading something with like definite inherent value for the audience is that's my immediate reaction. Blake, Blake answers it from a venture capitalist perspective. I answer uh, it from a creator perspective. That actually makes way more sense. Yeah, that actually makes a ton of sense. He sees the business value in it. I see the negativity from the fan base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I still think second channel with more content, I'm a fan of just because like, trust yeah. me, like, I, I'm, I'm a fan of yours from afar. And like, I watch your content anytime you upload. And if there was more content, I would watch it. Like, I literally would probably watch it even if it was like randomness that wasn't a super polished video. And I think that's so uh, crazy to think about. <laughs> I think your I core audience would do the same thing. And by the yeah. way, like David Dobrik does this, right? Like his second channel was supposed to be like the less quality version or whatever it is. But like, I think there's way more of that. Like, I think if David uploaded all of the randomness that was still not even uploaded, that didn't make the cut for the second channel, there still would be millions of views on the third and fourth tier of what that quality of content that he's filtered out. Yeah, I, I, here's my argument to that is that if, if I'm going to do, my mindset is if I'm going to choose to do this YouTube thing, I'm going to do it phenomenally and I'm going to figure out how to do it very well scalably. And then once I have that figured out, maybe we'll do the second channel thing. But it doesn't, for me, it doesn't make sense to have a second channel until that second channel has like a distinct purpose. Uh, and if I can't scalably do the first thing well, I'm not going to do the second. But you're okay. saying have the second, <laughs> throw whatever on there. And I'm saying do it. your failed channels. It's just like failed Iraq, you know? And yeah, it's just like, yeah. like all the, all the just failed like videos. Of... but worse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Not, it's just all your failed Arac. videos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you uh, question on data? So what um, you talked about title and thumbnail a lot, obviously, two important pillars of good YouTube content. What other mm -hmm. data do you pay attention to or whatever data do you think other creators should be paying attention to? Are you logging into your dashboard every day? Yeah, every day. Uh, I mean, I would arguably say like maybe the only thing that you should be looking at on your dashboard is your retention uh, and watch time. Like if you're yeah, it's, it's all I mean, it's it basically. The, I talked. I did talk to Jimmy about this, and we agreed, and we laughed about it's. It you know, YouTube is this game, and it's the game between uh, playing the game of YouTube and building a, a personality and a team of people that people want to watch and like 
uh, trust and believe and will click every single time. So it's this game of building depth in the in in the audience or in the brand and in the YouTuber himself, uh, the creator, and then winning on YouTube's algorithm, right? And so YouTube wants super super fast paced content that has eighty five percent retention, but somehow we also have to make the bits where we get deep into the content and we're sort of putting our stakes in the ground and like getting people, giving people a little bit more about us. That also has to be interesting uh, in order for people to continue watching. Um, so it's sort of those two things going head to head, but yeah, I mean, I think it's retention, retention, retention. If you can make a video that's long and has crazy retention, YouTube will have no choice but to promote your video to the masses. And I think that's sort of the goal. Amen. What do you, product, how do you guys think about that? The product team would be so happy with you right now at YouTube for how you sold that. Cause that's, is that exactly, right? Yeah. It's exactly <laughs> what they tell creators and creators think this YouTube algorithm, like random, randomly picks videos to promote and like has its favorite creators. And it's just like, no, the retention on those videos for those creators is just so high that they have to promote those videos. Like yeah. there's a method to the algorithm. It's not just we're randomly picking people to promote. Dude, I've heard so much crazy stuff and I don't know where people come up with the idea. Like somebody came up to me today when they were uploading and was like asking me if uploading at 12.06 versus uploading at exactly <laughs> noon was like bad. Like if they should just wait till the next hour. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, it doesn't matter. Like is the video good? And is, have you guys have you guys cut the fat? Like have you guys looked at your numbers and made it to win on the on YouTube? Like that's, you know what I mean? Like. There's, I don't know if there, I don't, I don't know all like uh, the specific rules. I was terrible at school and remembering details and stuff. All that matters is making really like ridiculously good videos and that's it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think I, that's I it. I think your format of your, your videos or like even, even your videos like feel designed for that. Like in, in, like in, I think it's Logan Paul or someone came up with like the term like Jenga, uh, Jenga storytelling where you know the end of like a Jenga match, but like you still want to watch the entire thing. And like your videos of like title and thumbnail, it's like sneaking into someone's place or buying the world's largest pizza or whatever. Like you, you say what it is and like you still want to watch to see what actually happens. And, and it feels like so much of it is just like great storytelling up until the point of like what actually happens, especially like in the ones where you're sneaking in or things like that, where it's like, oh my gosh, like, is he going to get caught? And you're like documenting <laughs> the, the first uh, like eight minutes of you trying to plan for it, I think is uh, it's super good for the algorithm just because again, people know what they're looking for, but they're going to watch all the way to the end to, to figure out what actually happens. Yeah, no, the Jenga, the Jenga content is definitely something that has like stuck with me through the years. Like that idea of like, how much suspense can we possibly build where somebody has no choice but to watch the entire video? Like that's the goal, you know? Maybe we'll, we'll take it like in a different angle. I, I've, I've wanted to ask you about like Dan Blazarian and, and this whole thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like one of the first videos that I, I saw uh, of yours was, was you sneaking into uh, a Dan Blazarian party and things like that. And, and I'm curious, like, it seems like a lot of stuff happened there where I don't even think that video is online anymore. I don't even know if you can talk about this, but like, um, yeah. like you go to such a crazy degree for your videos where you're like towing the line of like what is okay or not okay and, and whatever <laughs> else. Like, uh, yeah. how do you think about, uh, like in that particular case, obviously there was tons of, I don't know, it seems like the video is taken down. There was like rumors of the lawsuit or something like mm -hmm. what actually happened in that case. And like, has that affected how you've thought about making videos moving forward? And like, uh, have you now been like, okay, I need to be more careful about like uh, the extremes that I go to or how, how do you just think about that overall? 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, so that was uh, probably three or four months into doing YouTube. And I think that in my mind, I was in a mindset of like, make it at whatever cost necessary. Uh, and I heard that party was going on. I knew that would be crazy if we could get in. I bought a flight with absolutely no clue if I would actually be able to get in or not. Uh, I think I had like 20,000 subscribers at the time. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I could go into all kinds of detail about it, but yeah, the video, we, we made the video, we got into Danville Zarian's party, we snuck in successfully, made this crazy video out of it, posted it, video starts going huge, and then I start getting requests from an unknown uh, user to remove the video over and over and over and over again. YouTube is not taking a video down. Uh, yeah, so the video stays up until finally I'm served physical papers at my doorstep uh, by a guy in a suit who says that I basically need to take the video down uh, on behalf of Mr. Bolzarian and his team. And uh, I don't know if I can go into the details on it specifically. I'm not, I'm just going to ride the line here, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was basically, it would have cost me a ridiculous amount of money. And I thought about it for a few days. I had like three days to take it down. And I thought about like, what if I were to sell merch and like make it say like, Bandilzarian or like uh, somehow like make this funny like meme out of it and try to sell enough merch to like run the case but the dude has infinite amounts of access to capital uh and i just didn't think that was like the smartest uh guy to go up against in court uh so we took the video down which sucked but it did win me like maybe 45 60 000 subscribers which was uh a huge win and i think the video served its purpose was that like your first viral video or what What was your first like real viral video or like moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm onto something? Yeah, yeah. No, that was definitely like the most amount of views the fastest. I think I got like 85,000 views in an hour. And I remember thinking that that was like ridiculous. I was like, I can't believe this. And I'm like on the highest. I mean, you guys have seen it, but you know, the first time that you go from getting like a thousand views on a video to you look at the back end of your YouTube and it's like growing exponentially. It is a high like no other and i was like i mean it was pure freaking ecstasy it really was it's crazy mm -hmm. um obviously all good things have to end at some point so that video yeah is no longer on the internet i feel like we need to we need to reach out to dan and make some kind of deal that like once you hit 10 million subs that yeah. video becomes on, it becomes <laughs> listed and it goes live on the channel again I feel yeah. like we need we need some type of wager. I, I, I and obviously I don't know like why they wanted to take it down. There was probably something shown. Who knows? Um, but it need, it needs to, it needs to come back up at some point. Yeah, Reed, maybe you can work on that for me. <laughs> All right, let me make, let me make a few calls. Let me see what I see what I can dig up here. Once you get to ten million subs, you're you're just gonna sue Dan Blazarian. Yeah, dude, I'm gonna <laughs> have more to money than that guy. We'll figure it out. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll cool. fund it. Let me talk to Jimmy. We might be we might be open to fund that lawsuit. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy versus Dan Balzarian, like Beast versus Balzarian. Like I think I think we could fund that lawsuit. Man. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, man. Final question I wanted to hit you with. How many subs do you think you'll have at the end of this year? A million. Of course. I have to yeah, I just you know, we're we're getting close. Uh we're not where I want to be right now, but I uh I can't think any other number except for a million subscribers. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna figure out a way. It's gonna happen. And uh, I'm excited about it. That's all I have to say about that. Do you uh, do you use YouTube Stories at all? 
I've used them a couple times. Okay. You're about to lecture me on why I should use them, huh? I, I'll, t- I'll tell you off podcast because I don't want to give everyone the tips and tricks here. But I think All I right. can get you. I think I can help you get to a million subs in the next like 30 days. Well, I'm wide open to that conversation. Dude, so <laughs> let's do it. That's another another conversation on a future podcast, probably. But we'll talk about it off podcast. But thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Of course, glad to do it. Thank you.